Welcome to the Sourced Podcast, our week in review. My name is Michael Crutcher, joined by Jordan McDonald. And Jordan, this is our 30th week in review. Hi, Michael. Yeah, number 30. Where have we gone? It goes fast, doesn't it? Does. It, it does. Which does mean, I guess, that one fifth of that has been during an election campaign because we're in week six. I know. We've Tail somehow end. made it towards the election. It's on tomorrow. We'll all be glad for that. Although election campaigns are good for learning stuff about voters, but audiences in general, mm-hmm. what they like, what they don't like, and how they behave, which has been something we have looked at a bunch of times in this podcast over recent weeks. So let's be grateful for that part of campaigns. Indeed. And we're just going to summarise a couple of things we've looked at. We won't go on and on about these, but right back in week one of this campaign, we looked at the data that Facebook was putting up, or Meta, if we're getting mm-hmm. right, um, which is about the spend on Facebook and Instagram on ads by yep. the party. So yep. what have we seen in this last week, Jordan? Yes, in the final week, I've had a look at the ads for Liberals and Labor, and uh, I thought I'd give a little... Little final week wrap up. So we'll look at the Liberals first. So in the last seven days, they've spent $136,320, which does seem like a lot. And this is spread across 90 ads on Facebook and Instagram. Now, looking at the ads, I actually ended up exporting the whole spreadsheet, which looked at all their ads over the year so far, just so I could see more clearly the words that they're using in all the posts. And there's some very clear themes. So in this last week, the Liberals really doubled down on Labor attacking content. So it's mostly aimed at Anthony Albanese and his Labor's costings. And they've also started targeting other Labor MPs on specific details. An example that popped up a few times was 28,000 local jobs. I won't mention the uh, the person there either. So it's doubling down on negative advertising. It is as it's we abso- get to the big day. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're poking needles at all the different things. Now, in the last few days, the ads sort of shifted focus onto the issue of independent seats and the possibility of a hung parliament. And the messaging around those ads was sort of, "What will you get with independence?" It's sort of asking the questions of the audience: Is reckless spending? higher taxes, don't risk independence. And, you know, while the Liberals have been more offensive this week, they are still defending their own uh, promises of the the stronger economy. They, they have... The one interesting point I actually noticed was they barely mentioned the, the first homes. And this is around the topic of younger voters. Yeah. It's, a, it's a massive issue, probably a leading issue for, for young people. Um, it's been barely mentioned throughout the whole yep. campaign, but in just the last week, it's been mentioned eleven times. Yeah. Okay. So. So the coalition's come out at their launch with their own policy there, and given that a bit of a push along. They have. So liberals have kept their spend per ad pretty low. They rarely surpass sort of two hundred ninety nine bucks. They sort of sit between that threshold of two hundred to two ninety nine, um, and. In the last week, they've really started targeting just the older demographics. So not old in the sense that they're age old, so 34 to 44 and then 55 plus. 
I thought it was interesting that the 18 to 24 is the demographic they targeted least yeah, by sure. far. If we then look across to Labor, their ad spend over the last week is vastly different to the Liberals. They spend $805,191, so nearly six times the amount of the Liberals. So that's just across Facebook and Insta. Correct. $805,000 versus $136,000. Mm, massive difference. And that's across 81 ads there. That could change in a minute either. As well, sorry. So in their campaign in the last week, it's almost exclusively been about Scott Morrison. Um, it's really directing people to the nomoremorrison.com, which yeah. they ended up running a section of ads in the spreadsheet that was sort of just over 30 ads all going towards that website, all different demographics, yeah. all different amounts. Um, the key sort of target areas on these posts are, you know, him walking away from crisis, changes to Medicare during the pandemic and cost of living. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting too that the Labor's ads target the 18 to 24 demographic the least amount as well. And it, it made me wonder if maybe this the Labor Party or both parties think that maybe young people have made up their minds already and maybe voted and that the older demographics are really going to wait until the last minute to make their decision yeah, up and that's right. an opportunity yeah. for them. Yeah, those people who wake up on uh, Saturday morning tomorrow and go, oh, I've got to vote. I yep. better have a think about what I'm doing. Um, it's interesting to see that, as we said all along, this tool's been a great tool to get some insights. But, of course, we've had the blackout period, which used to actually mean something when the last three days before an election you couldn't put TV mm -hmm. ads on. Um, still the case now, but it doesn't mean you can't do what the parties have done and smash social media. Um, which they have done. So Labor really spending up more than the Liberals there. We'll find out what that means tomorrow night. But also we've been looking at a site you found that looks at uh, deleted tweets from politicians. So mm. politicians who go and delete tweets for whatever reason, uh, it's kept as a record. Anything in the last week of note there? Really nothing too notable. Um, I looked again today and... Um, yeah, Pauline Hanson was mentioned a few times. I suppose that's notable in its own way. It's it's in relation to her contracting COVID. In one of her deleted tweets, actually, she mentions how she looks forward to disappointing those who hope she might drop dead. And that was deleted? That was deleted. I reckon I can understand why. Deleted. Yeah. Well, that means that Pauline won't be uh, too active tomorrow because she'll be in not. isolation. Exactly right. Okay, it's also the day before the election, so therefore it's the day that the newspaper editorial uh, endorsements come out. So mm -hmm. traditionally the day that newspapers around the country take up the editorial space they put aside, normally on the letters page or somewhere around to advise readers on how they should vote the following day. So this is a long tradition um, and it continues now. Um, and I've looked through these and I must say there are absolutely no surprises whatsoever in how the newspapers have uh, editorialised today. I could have told you this would be the case even before the election started. You reckon? Um, no doubt at all. But for the purposes of this exercise, <laughs> the papers in Australia, the daily papers that have urged their readers to vote for the coalition mm -hmm. are the following. 
Courier Mail, The Daily Telegraph, The Herald Sun, The Adelaide Advertiser, The Australian and The Financial Review. Okay. So tick, okay. tick, 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 tick. The ones that would have said before the campaign would support the coalition. Mm-hmm. The papers who urge a vote for Labor are... We should have some sort of drum roll thing here or some <laughs> gasp Maybe or something. Maybe in post we'll do it <laughs> to give it a go. Right. The papers that support a vote for Labor are the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Right. So there you go. And uh, look, I'm guessing the Canberra Times, but I don't really look at the Canberra Times much uh, these days, but I'm guessing they supported Labor as well. Now, does this matter? So do the editorial endorsements matter? Now, my time as a newspaper editor, of course, these editorial endorsements were an important part of your coverage mainly because journalists love talking about themselves or the media loves talking about itself. So the media loves talking about who's endorsed what. Um, do they matter? Absolutely not. I don't think they matter a little bit at all in the modern day. Have they mattered previously? Yeah, sure, I thought think they have. In the modern day, they do not matter whatsoever. However, they're still a talking point. Mm-hmm. My interest in this is how they matter to the politicians. So they always seem to matter greatly to the politicians. Now, I go back to when I was editor of the Courier-Mail and the Monday before the 2010 election, it was maybe about 7.30 at night, um, my long-suffering PA, Karen, shout-out to Karen, (laughs) I'm sure still in therapy after having to be my (laughs) PA for uh, (laughs) four years. Oh, goodness. Um, Karen had, of course, gone home. probably with a headache after working with me for the day. And I got a call from Switch through to my landline. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's unusual at this time of night that Switch had put something through. I picked it up and the person on the Switch said, "Um, I've got someone on the line who is claiming to be the Prime Minister. Right. Can I put them through? I thought, that's unusual. But I said, yeah, put them through. so. That's fine. (laughs) And um, they were put through and indeed it was the Prime Minister, Julia Gillard. Um, who very politely asked me uh, which party the Kuruma would be endorsing in the election Uh, due on the Saturday. Now, um, I did say to the Prime Minister very respectfully, look, it's only Monday and we will wait until Thursday when we make our decision on that. Um, And she said, well, I'll be calling it Thursday night then to uh, talk further about it. I said, that's fine. That's no problem at all. So how we used to go about these things is, and I'm sure how most papers do go about these, is that each paper generally has things that they stand for. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you look in in the financial review, for instance, obviously it's an advocate for business. And the Financial Review looked this week, actually, um, at what it had done previously in terms of its endorsements. The paper began in 1951. Now, from 1951, this is off the top of my head, I read it the other day, from 1951 through till the early 80s, it only ever endorsed the coalition. Right, okay. 1984 and 1990, it advocated a vote for Labor. Mm-hmm. Okay. 87, it was neutral, mm-hmm. and every other time it's been coalition. So, as I say, there's no shocks in some of these. So, the Courier-Mail, for instance, is a paper that supports smaller government over bigger government. It's a paper that um, really sees small and medium businesses, the engine room of the economy. It's a paper that advocates for Queensland. So, if you're going to get the support of the Courier-Mail, there are three things, among others, that have to be uh, support for you. Now, the way we used to do it was we'd sit down on the Thursday... 
and we'd have a whiteboard up and we'd get, say, maybe five or six senior um, people in the newsroom to sit there and then just put up on the whiteboard um, the positives for Labor and the positives for the Coalition oh, right. in terms okay. of our readers. This is what we did. So yep. highly boring exercise but a worthy one and we'd make our decision from that. Um, now in 2010... Uh, we at the Korea Mail advocated for uh, the coalition in that election. Um, and people tend to think that everything is done in terms of, um, you know, groupthink. But in that election, from memory, in the News Corp papers, the Korea Mail and the Daily Telegraph endorsed the coalition, the Herald Sun and the Adelaide Advertiser endorsed uh, Labor and Julia Gillard. So on the Thursday night, the switch rings me at seven at night, and it was the prime minister. Oh, she she did holding okay. true to her uh, her promise. She would call back, and I did advise her that um, the paper would be endorsing uh, the coalition for that election. How'd she take it? She was reasonable. Yeah, she was very professional. Um, she was nonplussed, but she was professional all the same. <laughs> but I'm sure if she made those phone calls that night, she would have been. Um, quite happy with the Herald Sun and the Adelaide Advertiser, which yeah. uh, advocated in her favour. Okay. So uh, two out of four. Not bad. That'll do the job for you. So I look at those things and I guess to me they don't matter in the sense that they won't shift a vote. Um, however, they're very important for newspapers to do these. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's my little thing about newspaper editorial endorsements, but it's something I look forward to the day before every election campaign to see what people come up with and I don't expect it to do a thing in terms of shifting votes. But I do think social media has been very important in this and I'm interested for you, Jordan, whether you think that these type of endorsements do actually move anything, especially with your demographic, it's younger than mine, do endorsements, whether it be from media or from influencers, do they have any credibility at all oh not not heaps maybe um maybe some media it depends who you listen to i i listen to am a bit and um (laughs) array hadley can be convincing some mornings but then listening to someone else they can be just as convincing so um in that sense if if you're if you're a frequent radio listener you might sort of soak it in um but for social media or influencers i don't see them swaying anyone at all i really don't see it i don't see politics uh, in social media really having too much of a place in a sense of influences yeah yep. i mean there is one that friendly geordie's fellow who was yeah in that uh, drama with i can't remember who for a while there but um uh, beyond him not too many uh influences in the political space so yeah i don't see it swaying too many people's vote at all so our next topic is one which is about what is interesting people on social media and i've been surprised by this but tell us more about this item you've come across uh the uh the amber heard versus johnny depp defamation case it just is dominating media i'm i'm trying to escape it but i can't (laughs) you're being chased down no so i'll give you a little rundown if you're not across it so there's a defamation trial that has been taking place between amber heard and johnny depp so he actually filed the defamation suit and she's countersuited. Now, the trial itself has had more online attention than any other story 
including the leaked Supreme Court abortion decision in the US and Russia's war on Ukraine. We, um, we look at Newswhip a bit in the podcast more recently uh, and they did a little report on it and some of the stats showing that the average number of social media interactions per article by select topic. So Herd versus Deb is one of those topics and it actually eclipses the rest with an average of 508 interactions. Second being Elon Musk yet again. He just keeps bobbing up. 417, I know, he's always there. Uh, the data looks at actually seven of the leading issues reported over the last two weeks. You know, Herd versus Depp was the, uh, the one that led, but it led by so much that it had more interactions than numbers three through to seven combined. So some other interesting stats about the uh, Herd versus Depp case is uh, Google Trends reports that, there's, reports that there's double the number of Google searches for Amber Heard than Elon Musk over the last month, which is pleasing for me to see. I'm sick of hearing of Elon. <laughs> <laughs> um, her name has actually been searched four more times than the abortion or the Supreme Court has. And uh, there's a Law and Crime Network app which has seen a massive spike in daily viewership, 50 times the increase in daily viewership. And they're seeing around 1 million viewers per hour watching the trial via their YouTube channel. So it's incredible numbers. Okay, so as someone who is not trendy then, why the hell are so many people interested in Amber Heard and Johnny Depp? Right, well... Celebrity spats or, or court appearances you know, are always interesting to audiences. You know, they're people stories um, and people are interested in other people. But it's the courtroom cameras here that I reckon has really, really got people interested and why it's so popular. Um, so being able to get into yeah, a courtroom, unlike here in Australia when you can't. Correct. Cameras in the courtroom. This cameras is in the courtroom. reality TV just happening. Yeah, so then there's three elements that have sort of come together here. So you've got the social media element. There's the domestic abuse being a key sort of social issue, particularly among young people, and the courtroom cameras. So all three have combined to where social media has become its sort of own court of public opinion. One uh, where Amber Heard is losing... Badly, she's and losing. She is losing terribly, and support for Johnny Depp is very, very strong. Why so is Amber losing? Because I would have thought that generally sympathy often goes with a woman in this case, but I'm yeah. not across this matter. So yeah, no, it, it is. She's perceived is the perception of her is dishonest and actually abusive herself. Okay, so that's a perception. As part of the case, you know, they've both been lobbying. Uh, different claims at one another. One of them has been domestic abuse. Um, but as it turns... She claimed that Johnny had abused her, but it turns out she's actually been quite abusive herself. Um, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. You've got to be careful there. Because we, we do know they like to uh, take defamation action. I know. I'm, clearly I'm being influenced <laughs> by my TikTok feed at the moment. My TikTok feed, though, is actually saturated with it. I, would, I reckon about 70% of the, of the content in my TikTok is just... This trial. And what's that? Is that actual trial footage? Is that people's take yeah, on it? Yeah, no, so it's trial footage, but whether it's been used as a meme or if it's actually showing a clip of a particular moment. Okay. Um, the majority of these clips are aimed at or attempting to expose Amber 
for alleged behaviour. Um, yeah, so she, she's she's uh, by people on TikTok. She's being branded a, a liar and abusive. Um, and then compared to that footage of her, there's Johnny Depp, the beloved Pirates of the Caribbean mm. actor, you know, laughing and passing notes to his uh, lawyer. Okay. So very, very different. Um, so the meme culture has really spawned this sort of unbelievable number of memes at Amber's expense. Right. And that brings viral attention to the case. Um, and interestingly, ABC, uh, in talking about sort of the courtroom cameras, ABC over in the US there is live streaming day by day across TikTok, the, the trial. Wow. So TikTok again coming into its own. It is. It is coming into its own. Maybe uh, Amber and Johnny need to put sort of little sponsors' uh, names in front of them on the camera. Maybe. They maybe. could make a fortune from that. I supp- yeah, no, they probably could. And she um, – yeah, no, it, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. The, for, to give you an idea of just – it's just the level of support and how unbalanced it is. Um, there's some TikToks that relate to the trial. Justice for Johnny Depp, Scott, uh, that's a hashtag, has over 11 billion views. 11 billion views? 11 billion views. Hashtag justice for Johnny Depp. And uh, justice for Amber Heard, just 39 million. 39 million v 11 billion. Uh, it's just an idea, just to give you an idea of... Yeah. Uh, where so the people on social media sit, which which team? The popular vote isn't with Amber there. No, it's not. Now, so now we've always said here how popular Elon Musk is with the younger generations, but Elon's being uh, outdone here by the herd debt matter. Is that something? You know, is there any reason that that this is a case? Now, when we see these numbers and we see they're so high. Are these numbers that suggest that these are most popular with, say, mid-teenagers through to early 20s or are these people in later 20s or are these older? How do we think that age demographic is skewing this data? Um, for for the lawsuit, or well, so the trial case, I certainly think uh, that interests younger people. And younger people have driven the viral movement of the whole thing. Um, and the same for Elon. He always pops up in a lot of what we uh, discuss here in terms of, you know, popular publishers and stories. He's always mentioned in that. Um, again, he, he really appeals to the younger people. And I reckon that's sort of people aged between sort of 11 and 20. Yeah. The, um, the people that live on social media. Um, but me personally, I'm a bit bored of Elon. He's he's popped up into everything. He yeah. seems to be involved in anything. He's the he's the best way to drive engagement to your story, even if he's very loosely involved. Um, and I think why that is is he's just a, a giant kid. Yeah, he's just a giant kid who entertains the imagination of younger kids, but actually has the uh, the bank to do it. So he's seen. You know, the good example of that would be the flamethrower that he made. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, of course that's going to that's just going to get everyone, every kid's into attention there. Yeah, the younger generation was certainly like of the idea course. of that. Um, he's also then seen as influential, which is important for younger people, sort of a role model. Um, and it, because of examples where he was, like crypto is, again, a young person's interest at the moment. You know, the, it's a the younger version of the stock market, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's incredibly influential there still 
uh, th- that market, the crypto market, still uh, fluctuates too dependently on what he tweets out. Yep. Uh, Bitcoin's come up and down based on what he said. And then, you know, the more recent example is buying Twitter. Yeah. You know, though it's on hold while he assesses, you know, the percentage of users that are bots, yeah. you know, it's 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 that dream of a kid of, like, oh, yeah, I could do that, I could do this. Um, and then, you know, he's somewhat heroic in the eyes of, of younger people too because you know, he came to the aid of Ukraine. That's an important issue for younger people too. Yeah. It's a humanitarian issue. So... It's these crazy ideas that he has that he actually can do because he can afford to. And I think the younger people really latch onto that. It's a great reminder too that social media, um, so much comes down to stories about people. And we say this all the time, and we are people. So our default interest is in other people. We're always going to engage more with stories about people than we are about stories about policy or things that don't engage involve personalities yeah i guess so the amber heard johnny depp elon musk dominating those stats this week that you brought up it's just that reinforcement that's when you sort of feel for you know particularly journalists and i used to do investigative journalism we spent so much time looking um into a an important issue Mm -hmm. and then long would be come a story like the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp one and blow everyone out of the water in yep. terms of interest. Yep. But that's just who we are as people. And I guess that's that ongoing debate about, well, you know, news news outlets aren't covering the important things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure news outlets want to cover the important things. There's a resource and revenue issue, but there's also the fact that if you're a restaurant and you only serve up the really super healthy food... Um, and you don't serve up the maybe junky type food that is popular, or mm-hmm. you're not going to have a good business as a restaurant. That's it. So it's trying to balance all that stuff. And you know, this is a great example this week of herd, Depp, Musk, and the domination of those social media mm-hmm. traffic trends that you look at. So I reckon that this weekend in Australian social media, the election will be very popular in one way or another, whether it's memes, whether it's just commentary or whatever, yep. um, but that's tomorrow night. Um, will you be watching or doing something else election-wise? I, I won't be watching, unfortunately. I'm working all weekend, but I'll be. Um, I'll have the phone nearby. I'll be. I'll look, look it up the updates. Yeah, and yeah. if anyone's looking for our take on what's going to happen this weekend, the answer is we have absolutely no idea. I've got no idea. Because if you listen to the experts last time in the 2019 election, they got it so wrong that they should all be disqualified from actually giving an opinion (laughs) again this weekend. Let us all be. Let us just find out what happens tomorrow night. We'll take lots of lessons from it, whichever party comes out on top. Jordan, enjoy the weekend. You too. 